I'm John DiLiberto, and you're hearing the Echoes podcast from PRX. Today, I've got the two musicians who had our March CD of the month, Jeff Johnson and Phil Kagey. Their album, Ravenna, was the fourth CD pick for the duo, who make enveloping pastoral landscapes of multiple guitars and keyboards. Then, we'll hear from Grand Brothers, a duo from Germany who play a computer and a mechanically altered piano. We developed this machine, we put onto a grand piano a lot of little hammers, um, which can be controlled by the computer. I can play the grand piano like a, like a drum machine. Before we get to that, let me tell you about Echoes Online, our streaming subscription music service. You get all 10 hours of Echoes programs we produce each week, a backlog of some three months, exclusive online-only streams, and lots of other things. And you can do it all on your free Echoes app. If the public stations in your area are disinclined to run Echoes, or if you want a more convenient listening time, like whenever the hell you want, Find out about Echoes Online at echoes.org. And now, let's take a trip to Ravenna with Jeff Johnson and Phil Kagey. Jeff Johnson and Phil Kagey have been fixtures on Echoes for a long time. Johnson has had seven CD of the Month picks, and the last four have been his quartet of albums with guitarist Phil Kagey. Frio Sweet, Water Sky, Cappadocia, and now Ravenna. Jeff Johnson and Phil Kagey are both veteran musicians in their own right. Kagey is best known for his work on the Christian music scene and his solo albums like The Master and The Musician. But he began in the 70s progressive rock group Glass Harp. You know, we opened up for Yes and groups like that in the day, Traffic. And um, we were better live, you know, than we were in the studio for some reason. Jeff Johnson started out playing a kind of progressive rock Christian music. I know I have eternal life, the Bible tells me so. But still there's forces in my life, that still which way I go. But then he created a career well outside that sphere with impressionistic albums of Celtic music and instrumental fantasies recording on the Wyndham Hill and Hearts of Space labels, but mostly on his own ARC music label. I'm kind of a chamber ensemble guy or soloist kind of singer-songwriter that turned into kind of a new age 
keyboard, and then that kind of deal. Hearing their roots, it's not quite a surprise that these two musicians got together, especially since they both identify as evangelical Christians, to a degree. Mm-hmm. I would. I would. Uh, You're more high church. Well, I hesitate to use that word evangelical today because it's so misunderstood, I think. One has to be careful when they use that term to define, you know. A typical concert from Phil Kage will usually evolve into something like a revival meeting. Johnson's shows aren't quite like that, but he leads cellar services and has released some 28 cellar recordings setting psalms to music. Oh Lord my God Be thou a bright flame before me The two musicians got together at a religious retreat on the Frio River, and that's what led to their first collaboration, Frio Suite. Phil's and my music has always had a sense of place. It's always kind of begun from a sense of place. So Frio Suite, Frio Suite and Water Sky both began from, we had met before, but our relationship really blossomed mm -hmm. in being with one another and our wives being together at this place called Laity Lodge in the Hill Country, Texas. So that's really where our, our music was kind of, mm -hmm. our collaboration was born. That was 2009. They did another recording, still inspired by the Frio River and then Cappadocia, named for the archeological site in Turkey and now Ravenna, named for the town in Northern Italy, noted for its elaborate mosaics. It's an extraordinary place. It's kind of out of the way. That's why a lot of people haven't been there. But it's a place I always wanted to go to. And it's a small place, and it's literally untouched. I mean, from the Byzantine era, you know, well before that, the, uh, the Ostrogoths. But uh, that's why there's so much richness there. Within a, a walking distance, you see all of these churches and small chapels and baptistries that have these incredible mosaics. And they're awe-inspiring to see in real life. Phil Kage hasn't been there, but he picked up on the inspiration. Jeff had this vision because he's been to Ravenna. He appreciates art and um, the creativity of man and how it's been able to last through the centuries. And he had this vision. And so when he told me Italy, Ravenna, so I thought, okay, more ethnic, yeah. more earthy, more natural on my part, I thought. I did play electric but I played classical, mandocello, mandolin, and acoustic, and I played the bass. They created a suite of richly textured and layered pieces working remotely, sending files back and forth between Nashville and Camino Island. 
Although Italian music may have been in their minds, it's not the sound of the album. But it's not like we set out to make an Italian-sounding soundtrack. You jumped off from there. Yeah, and, and plus the fact that uh, I'm from Ohio, <laughs> and just 35 minutes from where I live is Ravenna, Ohio. Yeah, that's right. So I think I think the album will be really popular there. <laughs> Ravenna has a pastoral sensibility despite the electric instrumentation and use of drums for the first time in their music. Johnson and Kagi mix multiple string instruments, guitars of all sorts, mandolin, bass, and percussion, and of course, Johnson's multiple keyboard palette. These layered compositions evoke timeless themes beyond their inspiration from Ravenna. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, because there is this melodic thread that lives inside of me. I'm not a clever jazz player or a clever classical player, but I think I know what touches the heart uh, melodically and quarterly. I know just enough to uh, get me out of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Compositions on Ravenna are multi-part. Partway through some fairly ambient expanses, Mosaic 6 moves into a motif that recalls the Eagles Hotel California. Same song, Kagi switches to electric guitar and whips out an Eastern style solo. Kagi and Johnson grew up on the music of the 60s, and you can hear some of that on Mosaic 5. I was thinking that Jeff Johnson was bringing out his inner Deep Purple with a Hammond B3 organ sound. That was totally Phil's thing, and it was that was his idea. You know, here's the interesting thing is, is that Phil's, you know, just a little bit older, but the music that we listen to, well, obviously, it overlaps. Yeah. Hey, John and Jeff, was this what you were thinking about when you heard this? Yeah. <laughs> 
That's it. <laughs> that, you know what that is? That's the section you're thinking about Deep Purple, right? Uh-huh. Uh, is that Rav, uh, Mosaic 5? Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. well, you know what that riff is from the animals. Yes, we got to yeah, get out of this place. place. Yeah. And I've always loved that riff, and I found a place to put it. <laughs> the bass riff. The bass riff. Right there. <laughs> Mosaic metaphor can be facile, but Jeff Johnson believes it's right not only for his music, but the world. Everybody brings this little shard to this total mosaic that is the world, is humanity, is everything, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think the music is, I think, drawing from much more than just literally the art that's over your head, even though that is incredibly beautiful and incredibly inspirational. Jeff Johnson and Phil Kagey's new album is Ravenna, out on Arc Music. I'll have a link for Jeff Johnson and Phil Kagey's Ravenna in the posting for this podcast at echoes.org. And while you're there, check out the Echoes CD of the Month Club because that was our pick in March of this year. Our pick for April is Carl Weingarten's Ember Days, and in May, it's going to be London Grammar's Californian Soil. Go to echoes.org, read our reviews, and check out the Echoes CD of the Month Club. That's Echoes, E C H O es.org. And now let's hear about two guys who play a single grand piano, but make it sound like a lot more than that. Grand Brothers. There's been a long tradition of expanding the piano sound. It began with player pianos, then John Cage's prepared pianos, and went up through Olafur Arnold's Stratus pianos. Grand Brothers are following that tradition. The duo aren't related, but their name comes from being brothers of a single grand piano, although it never sounds like a single piano. These sounds clearly don't result from two or even four hands on a keyboard, but everything we're hearing originates from a single grand piano. There's one behind Lucas Vogel as he talks on Zoom from his home in Dusseldorf, Germany. But Errol Zarp is the pianist. He's zooming in from his own home studio a few hours away. 
Their collaboration began in 2011 while they were both studying audio and video engineering at the Institute for Music and Media in Dusseldorf. Errol Zarp. There were a lot of rooms with uh, grand pianos standing there. And we just said, like, let's try to um, combine our strengths. So I always had like the idea of being like the guy at the piano. And I knew that Lucas was always very good at making things with a computer. And we just thought, like, let's try to make music which is just based uh, around the piano. So no other instruments should be allowed. Yeah, I think one uh, key moment was also where we developed this machine. Lucas Vogel. It's a kind of mechanical uh, thing we put onto a grand piano. A lot of little hammers which can be controlled by the computer and they hit parts of the piano. So yeah, I can program into the computer um, some rhythm rhythms and uh, I can play the grand piano like a drum machine. Like they hit the wooden parts and the metal parts and so I can kind of play beats or um, they also hit the strings from above At the same time arrows playing its normal way they hit from above and then they can program um, melodies or like of rhythmic sounds and this was in the beginning really the, the core sound uh, yeah that's the special thing about our sound Automatic pianos are not a new concept. Grand Brothers are building on ideas implemented in old-fashioned player pianos and mechanical arcade orchestras. Those technologies have been modernized by artists like player piano innovator Conlon Nuncaro. Pat Metheny with his updated Orchestrion. artificial intelligence of the Stratus pianos developed by Oliver Arnolds. This all feeds into another strong influence on the duo, minimalism. Errol Zarp. A huge inspiration for us always has been Steve Reich. Like music for 18 musicians or, or six pianos, you have this density and still this emotionness in the songs. Yeah. 
They also employ a lot of inside-the-piano techniques inspired by innovators of prepared pianos such as John Cage and Hauschka. These artists expanded the piano's sonic palette by placing objects on or in between the piano strings. Yeah, totally. We were for sure influenced and inspired as well from like the prepare piano concept from Cage or like Hauschka you mentioned. Especially Hauschka is also like living in the same city where the, our project was started, like in Düsseldorf. And he invited us to play like the first official concert we played for his festival. So we always were looking up to him and what he was doing. get sustained sounds by bowing the piano strings both physically and with an electromagnetic device. I love this like bowed sound really much because we didn't have that before and now we are able to like create all these really um, big and uh, really like cool, uh, how do you say, like ambient droney kind of uh, sounds. Brothers designed their system as a method for live performance and spontaneous improvisation with active, real-time control over the mechanical hammers. Their first two albums were based on just the two of them performing together in real time. The first two, I, I remember when we were at the studio, it was, I think, all the songs we played together. So we were in the same room, Lucas was just next to me, and we were like, playing them how we um, always rehearsed them or how they were also meant to be written because back then the idea was to be able to play them live as they are written. No, exactly. It's uh, totally si simultaneously and that was also the really nice thing um, in the moment, the two first albums. All the songs were also developed when we played together. They came out of improvisation when, when we were like, standing next to each other and, and, and I played the machine and, and Errol was playing the piano. 
Vogel is also processing the acoustic sound coming from the grand piano through custom-built audio plugins. What comes out the other end of the processing is often a surprise, even to Errol Zarp, who plays the notes originally. It's always really cool like what comes out of it. So I play a note, or I can play a chord, or I can play a melody, and the thing that Lucas throws back at me can be really inspiring and can really help to develop these ideas, and I really love this way of um, improvised interaction. It can be some sort of call and response, like if you take the track Ezra was right from the first record, for example, you have this sort of improvisation between us. So I'm playing just a few very like light notes and Lucas gives something back to me and I try to do something with that and then he like records this and, and it like becomes this really organic thing between us. With the third album, we stepped a little bit further from this. Um, we, we now also allow to produce, like to record st stuff, like put some layers over each uh, other, and um, so it, it gets more complex. But this whole like idea of doing it in the moment is also like kind of the soul of, of the whole thing, I think. many effects they generate, Grand Brothers insist that the piano should always remain the core sound. Lucas Vogel. Yeah, I think we're not really looking that you always can hear the piano out of, of every sound, but I think it's just it just happens because like there is always this kind of core resonances from the piano. Like it's, we can't get rid of it. And they shouldn't want to. The latest release from the Grand Brothers is all the unknown on city slang music. I'll have a posting for Grand Brothers All the Unknown in the posting for this podcast. Next week in the Echoes podcast, the 17th icon of Echoes, Jean-Michel Jarre. I'll have an extensive profile and interview with him. And we'll hear about Decoupler, a synth-pop band who has made a great pandemic album. Subscribe now so you won't miss an episode of the Echoes podcast. I'm John DiLibretto. This has been the Echoes Podcast from PRX. See you next week, tonight on the radio somewhere in the country or at Echoes Online right now or whenever you want.